Welcome back to another episode of Ales with Aslan, your weekly therapy session for those who sell for a living and those who help those who sell for a living. And it's great to see a familiar face. Uh, we're actually doing a video podcast. Uh, you might, if you're lucky, see part of this probably on Instagram. It's the only place we really use the video. But uh, I'm joined by Mark Lampson, president of Aslan Training and Development. Mark, welcome back to the program. Well, it, thank you. My uh... When you say welcome back, I really didn't go anywhere since my last meeting. I'm just still sitting here. So thank you well, for having me virtually. If, if anybody is seeing this, we both look like we're in a tropical environment yeah. today. We're trying to yeah. enjoy some warm weather. I've got a breeze and a tropical uh, palm behind me with some waves. You've got some beautiful boats. So uh, I love it. Well, today, Mark, we're going to cover, um, you know, we've, we've been on a roll lately talking about, you know, should you sell in a pandemic? How do you sell in a pandemic? But one of our listeners, uh, one of those folks out in the audience asked a great question, didn't they? They said, how do you demo something in a virtual environment? And so we're going to pick that one apart and kind of dig in. Uh, but first, we have to do something uh, we do every week on Ales with Aslan, and that's mm -hmm. something cold and frosty. So what do you have there? We are uh, hovering around the Cinco de Mayo season, that's as true. you may know. So I have a uh, Cerveza Modelo Negra. Nice uh, dark Modelo beer. Okay. Now, why is it dark? Is it like uh, what do you call that? Like a get like a stout? Is it a stout? Well, it's just it's just a it's oops it's just a uh, this is it here I guess right here. I see it. All right, it is right dark. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's crack that. Let's see what that okay tastes like. I, on the other hand, I'm going to go. You're kind of you know staying around Cinco de Mayo. I have moved and plummeted into the middle of summer with my Sam Adams Porch Rocker refreshing mm -hmm. tangy mm -hmm. you've had that before right that yep is, uh, yummy that is one of our favorite locals up here i'm into a little bit of a sam kick these days so let's crack that i think i might have introduced it to you you might have i might have had that at the all good thing all good things are all good things are named sam don't you agree cheers yes cheers cheers mm. four and a half percent alcohol by volume so i should be standing by the end of the podcast. we'll be fine Mm, that is tasty. Well, good. So, so welcome back. Excited to talk about this. How this, you know, how do you do anything virtually has been kind of a, a question for a while, but how do you demo something virtually is really a compelling question. And since it came from the audience, we want to make sure we, we get after this. So really, I, I think we have, you know, maybe three things that, that might be helpful. So why don't we just, uh, why don't we get into the, to the content? How do you demo something virtually? Take us, Take us through the uh, the process. I have no idea. <laughs> That's tough. Like you're a Cutco knife guy, and you're used to going into someone's kitchen and, <laughs> and dicing up some tomatoes. How do you do that now? <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's a tough. Uh, it's a tough gig for sure, right? I mean, demos. You know, demo is kind of at the end of our sales process. Usually, it's it's where we're you know letting people touch feel, see, understand how it works, what it does, how it works in their environment, you know, give it the tire kick, so to speak, yeah. feel the quality. Uh, there are a lot of things going on that are very difficult, if not physically impossible, to replicate uh, virtually. Yeah. But I think there's a couple things that we can do to, to, uh, to deal with our, for lack of a better term, our new normal, right? That people are just knowing, hey, I, I can't go to your showroom. I can't go visit you. You can't come see me. So we got to do the next best thing. Uh, you know, you asked me this question. I've thought about three things that I think are, 
would be helpful to the our audience. One is we definitely need to do some things differently with our words. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about how do we just increase our pure verbal influence, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Two is I think, you know, because the demo is typically part of our sales process and now we can't do a in-person demo, uh, we have to change our sales process to, to reflect that. And then lastly, again, a demo is, is sort of like trying it before you buy. And so if you kind of can't totally try it before you buy, we have to talk about lowering risk as a salesperson. So those are maybe three things to think about. Yeah, no, and I think, I think a great place to start because people that are asking this uh, are coming from all types of industries that you just, you just indicated. Right. And so, you know, whether software has always been something you can kind of demo, um, sort of more online, obviously, and it's something you can share on a screen, but some of the more hardware type products or, or uh, some of the things that you just illustrated, not so much. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how we might use our words, be more descriptive and some of the tools that might exist uh, from a skills perspective that allow us to be able to do that. Yeah, so, you know, the, the, again, the new normal and, and the world of virtual selling is here to, say, to stay at least to some extent. Certainly, it's the majority of our approach for the near-term slash foreseeable future, depending on what state you're in, what the governor says, and what you believe. Uh, but as we sort of return to normal, uh, I think there's just going to be a, a percentage of our work that's going to be done virtually or what we mean by demoing verbally. So, hmm. yeah. you know, for sure, your marketing team can give you a lot of videos, a lot of pictures, and a lot of those things. I think that's all, that's all helpful. But when it comes down to it, you know, marketing is designed to sort of give generic messages and generic information, but ultimately every single decision is based on that particular customer. And so our ability to verbally demo to customers um, we say depends around, you know, it, it depends on three things. And really it comes from, um, we've talked about this before, we, we developed a, 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 we've researched what makes influential people, speakers, be so persuasive in their speaking. And there's really a model when you unpack and look at, you know, persuasive speakers, when you unpack what they're doing, there's really three things going on. They're, they're connecting, they're contrasting, and they're convincing. And connecting means they're making the information they're getting ready to, to give you relevant to you. So you're paying attention. You understand how it's different. Uh, like we always you, talk about, you understand? Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, kind of like we always talk about, you know, knowing what's <clears throat> on someone's whiteboard or knowing what's bothering mm -hmm. them, knowing what's challenging them. This is the part that, that allows you to make that connection, right? That's right. Yeah. And remember, you know, when we talk about connect and we talk about whiteboard, when we talk about getting people's attention. So this is very similar right. uh, to things you've heard about, you know, other centered positions where it's what's on their whiteboard and what's on their whiteboard is a, uh, you know, a metaphor for, I think this is important to them, but I haven't talked to you yet. At this point, when we're demoing products, we've yeah. talked to them, we've, yeah. we've done discovery, they've told us what's important. And so it's easier but no less important to sort of connect to that. They said, here's what's important. I'm amazed, you know, verbally or not, how many times, you know, as a customer, 
people are telling me things that I've said previously. I'm not interested in that. They just can't help. We are so programmed. When, when we go through new hire training as salespeople, we're trained on certain things that marketing thinks is important or product management. And we take the benefits we think are interesting and we tell every customer. There are some customers who could care less and worse. They're actually not a benefit for the customer, but we say them anyway. So I digress. It's connect, it's contrast. What's different? So, so you're trying to, to clarify for them what's different about what you're virtually demoing or what you're communicating. And then there's a convince phase. So, so let's break down. So connect, contrast, and convince. If you're you know, making napkin notes, you're trying to remember this because you're working out. <clears throat> I'm just going to kind of keep simplifying these things. Connect and contrast is is what we start with. That's sort of our iframe model or an influence framework. And, and, and that's where, that's what speakers do who, who really have persuasive approach is they do three things. They, they, they connect to the person's point of view, they share a disruptive truth, and they talk about what's proprietary or, what, or in selling the case, what's a proprietary benefit, right? So let's back up to connecting, and this is all connect and contrast. Connecting is their point of view. If I just told you, that these things are important to me. Two powerful words, and I think you've released a blog about this recently, but these are two words to have to start every sales presentation. Because you. So when you go to present or demo, start with because you. Because you said this, did this, because you think this is important, because your situation requires this, but it's, I am telling you this because of what you've told me and what your situation is. And so some people have said, well, what happens if I can't start with because you? Then probably, the answer is then probably you're getting ready to say something that's not relevant or you can't connect it to the customer. And most likely you weren't listening earlier because in, in most cases, people are gonna be giving you what's important to them in the, in the conversation and maybe you just weren't paying attention. And so uh, maybe you have not earned that right to move the next step uh, if you didn't listen in the first step, right? I'm sorry. What did you say? I wasn't listening. <laughs> Were you zoning out? Yeah. I mean, it does look nice wherever you are there with those boats back there. Uh, but yeah, so, so connect is, and I said your first word should be because you remember, I want to continue to remind our, our listeners of the importance of receptivity. Yeah. So one of the, one of the worst sales presentations you can make is one that someone's not listening to. And so before I present, before I make a recommendation, do a demonstration, a virtual demonstration, I get permission. I ask them, would you be open to some recommendations? Would you be interested in hearing my recommendation? Again, that's not how I start my call or I start my meeting, but it's after I'm at that stage, I don't just assume because they've answered some of my questions that they want to hear what I have to say. Yeah. But by just saying, would you be open to some feedback? Would you be open to some recommendations? They're like, sure. And it changes the receptivity. Now I start with because you. And now I can connect that what I'm getting ready to say is because of you know, your situation or what you've told me. Okay, so I say that, that you know, this is your situation. And, and the second thing that I do that helps connect and then start to contrast is we use a term called a disruptive truth. Uh, that's our label. Uh, there's a lot of things out there. It's how you challenge someone. It's where you give them insights is another sort of word that's out there. It's principles, it's research, but it's some kind of piece of information that might not be 
intuitively or just obvious to them that will likely influence what they do, how they solve their problem. Yeah. Right. It's some quite so, gap in their understanding or, or, or some challenge area in their brain, right? It's. Yeah. A, a lot of people are, you know, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, people are, uh, I'm trying to think of it recently. I have, a, a, I was going to share an example when we, we sort of, you know, put all three together, but, uh, but a lot of people are, are helpful. You know, I know one of the disruptive troops that we'll talk about or some of our, some of our principles that we believe in, we'll say, you know, we're talking about coaching, and people are talking about, you know, well, hey, we need to do workshops or we should do coaching. And we'll say, you know, one of the things to think about is a change, real change only happens one to one. And so people stop and think about that. Like, yeah, I haven't really thought about that. Yeah, the change that we've made in our lives really happens when we have a one to one relationship with someone who can influence us. So that means I should probably put more focus and emphasis on coaching versus just a workshop or some type of online learning to help change my sellers. So that's a disruptive truth. It's, it's, it's true. It's a belief that we, we hold. It's an insight and it, it stops people and makes them think about something. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm just sitting here grinding my mind away on your Cutco, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're selling knives in someone's home example, not to pick on a particular, not to sort of pick out a particular brand, but you, you might say that, you know, a lot of people like, I think about knives, they look at the big knife and how like, I want to see the big knife and how sharp it is and how heavy it is. And you might say that, you know, but 92% of the times you cut, you're using a knife that's less than six inches long. And you're like, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Like I don't really have a Fred Flintstone rack of ribs in my kitchen <laughs> every night that I need the big butcher knife. But like, so I'm all focused on that, but that's not really what you should be focused on. So that might be a bad example, but that's a, that's a, it's insight, principle research. It's something that sort of gets them to stop and think, which then the last piece gets them open to, to something that we call proprietary benefit. Remember, you're selling, you're trying to help them make decisions between you and something else, which may be nothing or which may be one of your competitors. And so don't tell them the other six things that they've already heard and know about knives. They're made of high quality, they're stainless steel, they're this, they have a five. If it's all the same, then it's all the same. And you can say, this has a lot of the same benefits you've seen and know from other knives. However, I don't know why we're selling knives here, but you started it. I, um, started. I don't know why I picked it either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, however, uh, you know, that what's different about it is the way that we make the edge and that makes it sharper and it lasts longer and et cetera. And so focus on what's different and unique because if that becomes what's important to them and they see that benefit, then virtual demo from somebody else or not, they're not going to be able to, to find the same thing. If you connect that right, connect and contrast. Yeah. So their point of view, right. The, 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 the connect and contrast is about using an iframe, their point yeah. of view, something disruptive and proprietary benefit. Well, That's and what, what I love about this whole framework is how versatile it is. We're talking about it in the context of how we're going to demo but you can just as easily apply the concepts of connect, contrast, and convince to the way you write an email. Um, whether it's an introductory email or whether it's an email to a, a known prospect or customer, you always wanna start with that, their point of view, some sort of disruptive truth, and then this proprietary benefit. And when you get used to that, or you build that into a habit, and you start speaking that way, 
I think, uh, you know, you're going to find results will follow. So uh, not to take us off of, of the demo, but I just love this framework, how flexible it is to use in not just in business conversations, but just in the way we, we speak to one another. It's just a great other center. Yeah. Well, again, and we talk about selling, but uh, you know, the bigger word that I like to use is influence. We're talking about how to be an influential person. And we're specifically talking about what are the verbally, in, we're not talking about your sales presentation or your PowerPoint or how you command a room or how you make a demo, because right now those things aren't relevant. We're talking about what verbal tools you have to convince someone to do something versus demoing a product in person. It's just a general term of influence. I just, I just, I just did this earlier this morning. Yeah. My son got his license. He's got his car. We got our new insurance certificates. They need to go in people's cars. They're much more expensive, by the way, when you have kids under, when you have 16 and a half year olds learning to drive. Wow. Insurance just got expensive. No question. They, they can triple the entire family's uh, cash outlay in a hurry. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Get him out of here quickly. I mean, I love my kids, but now I see the reason people want to boot him. But uh, in any event, I love Lee. And uh, but I just said, you know, if, if he's someone who maybe is like, oh, yeah, whatever. He, he's not he's not connected to the importance of an insurance card in his car. He doesn't, he doesn't care about that. Right. So because you're driving around by yourself. Right. Because you're driving around by yourself right now. Right. You're not, I'm not with you. The truth is, if you get stopped for any reason, the first thing you're going to do is say, "Light drivers, you know, registration and insurance." And if you don't have the insurance card, it's a $500 fine, and you're paying that. Oh, that's disruptive. Yeah. Now I'm paying attention. Yeah. Is it a proprietary benefit? I don't know, but the benefit is, go get the insurance card, print it out, and put it in your glove box. Okay, good. And he goes and does that. So it's it's a way to communicate with influence versus uh, versus you know selling, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, to bring it back to the word portion or the, the demo portion, so let's talk about, you know, convincing with our words. Uh, what are some of the tools that you think might help our folks listening uh, to use their words to convince? Yeah, you know, we've talked about logic and emotion before. That's really where it really sort of goes into action. And so if the connect and contrast is sort of that logical piece, right, we're sort of explaining things because you, this is your situation, here's some fact, here's some research, here's what's different. Those are things in a marketing slick. That's a logical piece. We have to pass that hurdle. Uh, but, you know, people really take action because there's some type of emotion. Uh, and that's what really convinces people to do things. Something convinced, when we make changes in our lives, when we make decisions, we're convinced of it because something's happened. The bigger the decision, the bigger the price tag, the more convincing is required. And so when I'm verbally trying to convince someone, our single best tool we have is something called a word picture. It's a picture that's made up of words. I'm describing something, I'm explaining something. Your emotional side of your brain, I always get that, I always get that messed up if that's the right or the left side. If you're an emotional person, are you right-brained or left-brained? I sort of forget. But One's on one side, the other's on the other side. That's right. So this is the other side. The other side of the brain, uh, you know, processes images and all those emotions. And so, so by definition, when we're talking about and we're describing something with detail, we're turning on that side of the brain. It's making it emotional. And the bottom line is a successful word picture is an analogy that the customer understands. It takes what you're trying to communicate. It takes what the customer would otherwise see, hear, feel, taste, and realize in person. And it's something that they would get 
with words in terms of an analogy, an example, something that's simple they understand. And, and I'll give you an example. Uh, I'll give you an example of sort of sort of all of these maybe put together. I just sort of thought about this for our podcast. So I'm in the middle of doing a lot of work on our deck, replacing sort of the old 20-some-year-old pressure-treated wood with this kind of this new, you know, laminate composite stuff. And, uh, and, and I bought something, and I bought it because it's kind of dark, but it's not hot. And one of the reasons that it's not hot is it has a little bit of UV sort of protected wrap on it that still looks good, but prevents all those rays from really getting in there and really making it hot. Now, if I were selling that particular product and I had to sort of demo it virtually versus someone can come out to my lumber yard and sort of walk on it with bare feet, that would be hard to do. But if I sort of put our our model in, 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 in play here, Right. I'd use I'd start with their point of view. My point, I'd be the salesperson. I'd start with their point of view, disruptive truth and a proprietary benefit. And I'd say, because your deck is a bright all day sun check, you know, uh, you know, it's it's likely to get sun and get hot. And the bottom line is this. Here's my disruptive truth. The bottom line of this is if it's too hot to go barefoot, like nobody's going to end up seeing you're using your deck. Like, that's true. Right. They run out there like it's, it's. It's like, oh, it's too hot. We'll go inside. And then all the work just got wasted. You might as well have no deck. The proprietary benefit, right? Again, we're not focused on all the things about how nice it looks and how long it lasts or how long the warranty is. I'm trying to make one point. The point is that it's not going to be too hot because it's it's laminated. The top has a special laminate that reduces the UV rays and it, it prevents the dark colors from getting as hot as they normally would. So that's all logical. You have a sun, you have a deck in sun, you give me something disruptive. I get it. Hey, no one's going to use it if it's too hot and we have something that's different. Okay, now convince me without stepping on it. I want to put my feet on it and feel it. I want to put my, you know, I want to feel how hot or cool it is. Yeah. I can't do that today. Now, you know, I'm sure people are working on smell. I've heard, I've actually heard about a, some research about, you know, obviously they've built sounds in your computer. They figure out how to create sound in your computer, right? Speakers and this kind of stuff. Well, there's actually some work about, there's a certain amount of uh, aromas, so to speak, or some sort of combination where combined, like there's a handful of scents that can sort of come out of a computer, you know, kind of thing, just like paint, right? It only takes like really eight colors to really make all the colors in the world, right? some combination thereof. And so yeah. there's a certain sort of subset of smells that would make a bunch of smells. I think we're a ways away and, uh, but, but things are coming, but for, until that happens, we can't feel something. We can't feel something virtually. Right. So we have to give an analogy. And so I might say like, Hey, I mean, I'll ask you like, did you ever, do you remember, remember the Christmas story? Remember that movie with Ralphie? I do. I do remember that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and it was like, you know, I think like I think most of our people are probably, uh, you know, uh, old enough to find it funny and and, uh, and young enough to find it funny and old enough to sort of remember the story. But Ralphie, you remember the, 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 the flagpole scene, right? Yeah, the, that's right. Yeah. So, you know, I might say, hey, like, we're talking about hot damn. If I'm trying to convince you of buying the deck, I might say, Scott, you know, look, it, it's like if you've seen if you've seen the Christmas story, it's like this, you know, forget hot. Let's go to cold, you know. This deck is like ice water. It's cold, but it tastes good. Ice water is is freezing cold. Ice is below freezing. Water is really cold. It's really cold, but it tastes good, and you like to drink the ice water. Decks without this protected laminate, 
it's like Ralphie, right? He sticks his tongue out on the on the cold flagpole, and it sticks to it, and it freezes, and the fire trucks have to come cut his <laughs> cut his tongue off the flagpole. So it's painful. And you, and then, and here's my question for you: Did you like see a flagpole and the stu- the tongue sticking? Like it goes through yeah. your brain. Your emotions are working, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that took me right back to that scene. Exactly right. Yeah, and that I'm sure so, that's something everybody's seen for sure. Yeah. So those take practice, right? I don't recommend that story. You know, I, I just kind of made that up a little bit before I went and got my beer for our podcast, but uh, it's a process. This takes work. We're, we're going to, bottom line is we're going to have to amp up our verbal skills to self and we're going to have to think about things. Word pictures are something you prepare. Um, there's something you sort of think about. Uh, you need a few of them because all of your customers are different. Some customers have, if you say, Hey, did you ever see the Christmas story? And someone says, no, well then that's a bad word picture. So always, you know, always put it in terms of what's important to them. We, uh, you know, have, have somebody used to work here that was really into cooking. And when I talked to him and tried to have influence, we talk about cooking. Hey, it's just like doing this, or it's just, oh, I get that. I, I get cooking. I can relate. So if you're really good, you understand what's important to the customer. And by the way, he would do the same thing. He would, I'm a boater, I'm a fisherman, and he would relate things back to me about fishing. And like, I got that. If you're an expert at something, Experts can simplify something. They can create analogies. Yeah. And that's what you need to be good at sort of doing. What, am I, what point am I trying to convince you of verbally? Yeah. Hard. But, but it, it is. that's not hard. It, it's a framework and it takes practice. But it's the difference between getting them to do something and getting them to not do something and not making your quota and losing your job. Well, it's like anything. It's, it, it's worth the effort to go, to go do this, right? I mean, I think it was back on podcast number eight. We talked about simplifying the complex. We talked about word pictures. Tom gave some great examples. If you want to go listen to that one about, you know, when he was looking to buy a watch and the analogies and the word pictures that the seller of the watch used, one that just sort of landed on the floor and didn't work at all. So he said, let me try a different one and came up with a separate, you know, instance. And all of a sudden Tom went, oh, I totally get that now and bought the watch, right? It made sense to him yeah. because he had a, he had another one. So I think that's a, that's a great point that you can't just go in with the same story every time you got to have, you got to practice these and, and make sure that they, uh, that they resonate. Good. Yep. Uh, excellent. So, so we've talked a lot uh, about the, you know, con- connect and contrast uh, and convince piece. Um, let's kind of move on and sort of bring this back to the, the last couple pieces you talked about. You talked about changing our process and you talked about lowering risk. Let's get into those uh, before we close the podcast. Yeah. Good reminders. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the verbal communication is, is the real big thing, but the other two things to think about is when we say change your process, think about, you know, what happens when you're there, you have knowledge, you bring a sales engineer, or you bring someone sort of else with you, and they have all this knowledge and, and they and they're using that to help understand the environment, to do demos, to to do the things in person because the person that is with you or yourself, you, you know, you're the expert and and now you can't be there in person. And so we need to might we might need to do some things differently that still allow the sales process and the steps around assessments or around, you know, looking at an environment are going to continue without you physically having to be there or without your sales engineer or without your sort of expert. And, and I'll just say quickly that this is not only possible, but it's happening. 
and it's been happening. If you're familiar with the term telemedicine, yeah. And five years ago, five years ago, when someone said, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling well, 100% of the people, 100% of people would say, I have to go to the doctor. That's right. I have to go to that. I have to go make an appointment, go sit there in the waiting room, go in, sit there. The nurse comes in and all this stuff. And finally, the doctor walks in about 25 minutes late and taps on your knee or presses on your ear, or looks in your throat or does whatever he or she is supposed to do to sort of diagnose what's going on and help treat you. Well, there are a lot of things that need to be done in person, but there are more things that are being done via telehealth. And so we did this recently and, and, you know, with, with our son and, you know, we did a video and he had something, he had something, you know, that was sort of bothering him, looked at, he says, touch this, feel this, does this happen? Does that happen? He's basically transferring his knowledge to the other person to help him make the decision and diagnose. So if we go to sales, we need to figure out how we can have the customer do those things we typically do in person. Like you said, whether it's an assessment or whether it's how do we configure the demo. So beforehand, we need to give them a checklist. I want to do a demo for you. I want to do a video demo of something or I want to explain it, but I can't set it up for your network because I'm not there. So I'm going to, I'm going to, so what do you do? You know, don't just say, well, I can't do it because I'm not there. No. What are you doing when you're there? And so give that in a form or sheet of, you know, sheet to somebody to sort of say, you need to do this on your own and yeah. send it back to me. And then I can do the demo. So it's a wide range, but it's just a checkbox. Look at your process. What are the things that typically require you to be there? Pretend you can't be there. And how can you transfer that for the cut? It's your knowledge, but let the customer do the physical work part. Yeah, I've heard some people you know, call, call this like assignment selling, but you, you give them you give them an opportunity to experience something that doesn't re require your attention or your attendance. Yeah, and then you can come back and kind of talk about what came out of that. And I think it's it's yeah it's going to be the new norm that we have to figure out other ways. So I think it's a great great piece of advice there. Good good. I mean I mean we're doing that. I mean we're we're you know we're. We've typically gone to businesses and sold workshops to, to large clients. Yeah. You can go now to our website and buy our training online. Like, yeah. So like, this is new. I, I, is, it, is, that, is that right? Is that the right thing? But like, we have to change the way that people get and test out. Maybe they test it out and then they come back and do workshops, but we're, we're changing process and ways we work with people to work virtually. And I, and I think, I think most businesses out there are trying to figure out, you know, how to how to exist in the new normal and and they're all going to be trying to think and as sales reps we have to embrace those things and be creative in our own right i mean we yeah. can't wait for our companies to come up with these ideas necessarily you know be be the tip of the story on this stuff and start thinking about ways that you can engage yep. your customers uh you know and, and change that process like you talked about so and, and again as by way of segue to the last point lower the risk right so how can i try something out before i have to buy it when i can't really get my hands on it right? How do, how do, yeah. what, what does that look like? Is it, is it me taking a, a quick online version of your, of your face-to-face -face workshop? And, and you know, that might be a way to do it. If it's, you know, maybe there's some ways that you can do that with a hardware from a hardware perspective, ship them something that they can kind of hold and look at before you charge them for it. Yeah. Anything. And you can just go to be, you can just be transparent with the customer. I mean, the reality of it is, you know, when we do a demo, we try it out, we like it, and we know we're more likely to know we're going to be happy with that product. And so we're lowering our risk. Now that we can't do a physical demo as customers, we're getting virtual demos. Yep. We want them to be better. And some customers still, still might not be ready for that. 
So we have to make it easier for them because they feel like they didn't get a good chance to kick the tires. We need to sort of think about how do I lower your risk to try this? We've talked about it. I, again, it's not about just sending a bunch of stuff out and hope it sticks. Right. No, I think this is the right solution. Again, whether it's physical or whatever it might be, but we have to really think about, you know, how are we accepting returns? And again, I know I'm talking to salespeople and sellers and people who help salespeople versus company leaders, but as a seller, you have to sort of advocate for how can I give you a little longer return window or give you longer terms or, you know, make things where maybe you pay now and you pay more later when you sort of have it implemented. There's the bottom line is customers feel more risk. And so you need to acknowledge that and figure out ways to lower the risk in terms of just how you work with them and where they have to really make commitments. And, and I mean, we just mentioned a minute ago, yeah, we're selling online and because we don't know how to sell online and because we don't know if people are going to like the program because they haven't seen the program, we're lowering their risk. We're saying, use it. I, I don't know. Maybe this is, maybe this is not marketing one-on-one, but <laughs> yeah. take the course. And if you take the course and yeah. you don't like it, then just tell us and we'll just give you your money back. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. So we've been doing that for a while. No one said, give me my money back yet. Uh, you know, That's I just true. say, just try it. Like just, there's no risk. So I, I don't know. I, I don't, you know, understand all of that exactly. I just know we're trying to, we're always trying to, to do what we say. So. Well, and I, and I think as a sign of the times, you know, nobody really knows how to do business in this new, this new normal uh, in this during the pandemic and what's good, sure to follow for, for many months. Um, and so I think, you know, it's a time of experimentation. And I think from, from a corporate perspective, that's true, but also from an individual seller or the folks that lead those sellers. Uh, I love some of the things we've talked about here. We're totally open to hearing from you out in the audience. Drop a comment if you're, if you're kind of seeing this on LinkedIn or Twitter. Uh, give us some commentary back uh, and let us know what you think of some of these ideas and some of the things that you're trying that are working out there. Because I think it's always good fodder for future discussion for us to hear what's working and what's not working in the field. And so this has been a great, uh, great conversation. Mark, can, I, can, can I give some feedback? Can I give some feedback before we hang up? I have some feedback. I, I don't want to go download it and then pull it and sort of give you feedback. Can I give feedback right now? Yes. I, I, I want more like jokes. I, I think people say like the sort of the humor. I, I feel like some of these, like we don't laugh enough and we don't tell enough not telling jokes it's just making it humorous like you're a you're a entertaining funny guy so let's laugh it up more you know you you, you like, feel like i've lost that edge I, i've been stuck in my yeah. for too many months <laughs> I, I know that's going on i know we all have a you know, the red arc about we all feel more stress than from the from the coronavirus than we like let on to believe but like you know make it fun you, you i mean the knives thing was fun but you yeah. know help me a little bit you weren't on the podcast where I had the wig on. That, uh, that did, well, there you go. Yeah. That did lighten the mood a little bit for Chris. So. I mean, as you get ready to wrap up, I might just end with just a quick question for yeah. you in light of this sort of humor piece. I might just sort of say, you know, do you know how to keep a, a bad podcaster in, in suspense? I don't. Knock, knock. <laughs> Who's there? That's really funny. You, you, you've, you've made me chuckle. Just stop talking. All right. Are Matt, you in suspense? The peop now people think the podcast ended and they haven't heard that great music come on at the end. 
Well, this has been great. Thank you so much, Mark, for uh, putting some thoughts together on, you know, kind of demoing in this time where we can't be face-to-face. -face. Uh, love the Cutco knife. Maybe Cutco will now come on. They'll invent a, a beer and they'll, they'll sponsor our next podcast. How's that sound? So um, very good. We, we've kind of covered uh, a lot of ground here today. And again, just continuing this idea of should you be selling? How should you be selling? And, it, and now we've added this, this piece about kind of demoing what we can't do face to face. I hope this is helpful. Drop some comments, share this, uh, help us get this to as many sales reps as we possibly can. Uh, there's nothing else in it for us, but making sure people that sell for a living uh, find enjoyment in their profession. So thanks for, for joining Ales with Aslan. We'll see you in another week and enjoy the beer. Mm -hmm.